your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Muskoka Drawdown. Welcome to Muskoka Drawdown. Drawdown refers to reducing carbon emissions. My name is Frank DeYoung. I'm your host. I'm here on behalf of Climate Action Muskoka. Go to the CAM website and uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter. You get all kinds of uh, uh, wonderful information about what's happening in Muskoka on the climate change front. My guest today is Simon Blakely. He's the Regional Manager of Program Development and Government Re- Relations in, um, in the Green Economy North Network. And he's based in Wanapate, Ontario. Welcome, Simon. Good morning. Are you really based in Wanapate? Um, no, that's where our kind of legal address is, but I actually live in North Bay. You live in North Bay. Close to um, I detected a bit of an accent. Uh, you're not from Toronto, I take it. That's right. Uh, some people <laughs> always believe I arrived there, which technically I did. I landed, but <laughs> no, I'm from the UK originally, um, but I've been here in um, Northern Ontario now for about seven years. Yeah. So, well, what are your green credentials to get picked up, like uh, picked up by uh, Green Economy North? Yeah, no, I appreciate that question. Um, so back in the UK, um, I was a land use and strategic planning specialist. Uh, we focus on sustainable development projects. Um, so when I came to Canada, uh, like a lot of newcomers, you kind of uh, have to start again in a way, but rebuild your career and adapt to a new system. And I've done lots of extra professional development qualifications as well in carbon mitigation, um, net zero projects, etc. And I've always kind of had an interest in this area. And um, the reason I came to work for actually Rethink Green, the organisation, was in North Bay back in 2019. Um, I decided that I wanted to organise the first sustainability expo because I wanted to kind of bring awareness to the public about what's possible. Um, and it was in that context that I developed this partnership with, with Reefing Green and it's lasting friendships to today. And now I work for them. <laughs> that, that's amazing. Okay, you're, you're part of Green Economy North now, that's, uh, but you were also part of the Green Canadian Green Economy organization. Give us the background and the history a little bit. That's right, yes. Yeah. So um, uh, Canada, um, Green Economy Canada, is a national um, non-for-profit organisation which kind of creates this umbrella framework, if you like, within which other uh, non-profits like ourselves operate. So it's a programme that we licence from them um, and it's being delivered now in communities all across Canada. Canada. Yeah, and you work with local businesses and organisations to, uh, to help them achieve sustainability. That sounds like a, a tall order, and but it sounds like you're getting right to the heart of the problem. Yeah, no, it's um, it's a really interesting programme because um, obviously a number of uh, options out there. You could hire an energy management consultant, for instance, that would come in, maybe charge you anywhere from ten to $40,000 and give you a report which would tell you it's going to cost you $2 million to, to achieve net zero. We take a completely different approach. It's much more foundational how we uh, train essentially the business owners themselves on how to do carbon accounting. 
uh, so they can take ownership of that and mm -hmm. uh, we can, can help them develop um, some credible action plans to, to really achieve um, some targets along the way towards that net zero. So, so when you suggest programs or when you uh, work together with uh, businesses towards programs, is this going to cost them money or is it about a life cycle thing? And life cycle analysis is definitely a huge part of that. So even though we're a non-for-profit, so we are heavily subsidized, we're funded by FedNAR, so it's, um, it's a relatively cheap program to join. There is a membership fee to join the program. However, we do have this uh, micro-grant program. Uh, so if we, in the course of working with that um, business to help them identify areas for improvement across different emission sources, um, we can then fund uh, these micro projects up to five thousand dollars, fifty percent of costs. Yeah, so it's sort of like the Green Home, the Canada Green Homes Grant in that respect. Yeah, I guess it's kind of structured like that. The federal government seems to like that approach, and but it, along the way, it's all that education, awareness, capacity building, uh, building that those connections, and really helping uh, break down some of these barriers to knowledge that um, some of these members face. So, do you uh, try to? suggest to businesses that if they go green and are greener that they have bragging rights in the community and in Ontario? Yeah, there's definitely a part of that. So there's a milestone process that we follow where it's the technical start to begin with and then we get creative in terms of action planning uh, and setting that science-based target in line with the global greenhouse gas protocol. But running through all of this, we know that nobody wants to do all this hard work and not get recognised. So we had our annual sustainability awards last week, which was online. Mm -hmm. um, we do uh, lots of like storytelling, case studies, uh, videography, really try to bring awareness to what our members are doing. Well, can you highlight one of the businesses uh, to give them the profile they deserve if they are a leader in Northern Ontario? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll start with our newest and first Muskoka-based business. That would be most appropriate for here. Yeah, so Algonquin Outfit has joined us. Excellent. Um, for this current cohort. So we're currently at the early stages of working with them to, to build out their greenhouse gas inventory of all their operations. Excellent. Well, just to remind you, Muskoka is not considered in the north, even though we want <laughs> to be in the north because we can save and get some tax breaks. But we are, we are, they, this comes up all the time that Muskoka wants to be in the north. We are actually a district and we are the most southerly district in, uh, in Ontario because everywhere else in Ontario, it's counties and, uh, townships right. so it's Muskoka district even though no one really knows about that we are just a regional government but no I'm great great that you're uh, you're helping out down here in that uh, Algonquin Outfitters uh, AO as we call it locally here okay. is is is, uh, is taking a leadership position all right give us let's get give me more ideas like what about um, like heat pumps are the all the chatter these days yeah uh, well actually it's very timely for myself personally so my wife and I through that Canada Greener Homes Grant did actually have an energy assessment done not too long ago. I uh, got the report last week and there is a recommendation that we should install one at our home. So I had a follow-up consultation with a company from down south last week and, you know, he, he gave me a lot more information about how it works technically. Um, it seems that there's, you know, huge energy savings to be achieved. Well, how do you get, what is a heat pump and how does it save energy? Yeah, so it, it's kind of a two-way system that it acts as both, um, it, it's drawing in um, from the atmosphere outside and there's inverters which kind of convert the energy, uh, you know, to convert it to heat, essentially to heat the building um, in the off-seasons, let's say. Anything below 
minus um, 20 to 30 degrees is the current yeah. range. So it works when it's even that cold outside. Yeah, you're getting more and more efficient, but it also flips in reverse too, and it's got refrigerants filling, so it's, a, yeah. it's an air conditioner at the same time. So um, a heat pump is basically a, a backwards refrigerator, refrigerator right? We, ha- we all have a fridge in our house, so this technology has been around forever, but we've never bothered using it for uh, space heating. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously, you know, there's there's a cost for, for purchasing it up front, but right now what's attractive is that there are so many grants available that when you, as you mentioned before, that life cycle analysis, um, if you really consider how much energy you're going to save over time and the fact that you can get some of these government grants to pay for installing that, with the carbon tax, which we know is going to kind of continue to grow incrementally over time, yeah. you're not only going to do good for the planet, save those greenhouse gases, but you're going to save money too. Um, in southern Ontario, virtually every town is on natural gas, and even rural communities, there's gas lines now running up and down rural roads. What's the situation in northern Ontario? Is like, is there gas in, in Thunder Bay, Sudbury, North Bay? Um, in the main urban centres, there are probably some of the rural communities that are off the main networks if you like, um, and then there's obviously some more remote rural communities which don't have access to, to natural gas, like Manitoulin Island, for instance. Right. All work there, there's no. Uh, Are they still using diesel or propane or, or wood? Mixed, yeah, there's, there's burning stoves, there's propane, there's oil-based heating systems. Uh, some people have gone fully off-grid. It's, it's a real uh, yeah. energy mix. So does that? So does it make sense for all these rural people, like it does in Muskoka, to go to a heat pump? Um. It depends on whatever the base is that they've got right now. I mean, um, I would always, what we tend to talk as well as the energy source, don't forget, we always try to focus on the building envelope itself. So the more energy efficient that you can make a building, the less energy demands that you have. So then you can design the energy solution around what your needs are. Yeah. So ideally, every time a person builds a new home, it, it'll be a net zero home. It'll be solar, uh, solar, passive solar, etc. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's certainly um, coming more and more into kind of the design standards that some municipalities are taking. I mean, yeah. uh, it might be that the province could potentially do more in terms of ratcheting that up, but um, yeah. that's uh, time will tell. Well, let's switch the discussion to electric vehicles. There's there's controversy here and there, but by and large, everyone thinks they are a, a major part of the climate change solution. Are you in a, you concur with that? Um, yes, I do actually. So actually, right now we're on this um, road to net zero tour, as we're calling a it. A tour, you mean? Tour, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and basically we. Um, Traveling around, uh, meeting different communities, bringing awareness to the program, of course, but really trying to bring awareness to um, the fact that Canada has set these ambitious goals. We know that uh, transportation alone accounts for 25% of the total uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and the oil and gas um, is over 26%. So if you look at that as a whole, uh, really the electrification and tr- uh, diversification, if you like, of transportation options um, is really a, a great way to help us achieve reductions in those moving forward. Yeah, we have in um, uh, the Muskoka, we have Hammond bus lines and they are install, putting in some uh, electric uh, buses, uh, school buses. I think that would be a good place to start. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, where I live, I, I see buses going around half empty and the yeah. diesel fumes pumping out the back. It, it's uh, an antiquated uh, technology. Yeah. Do, uh, do EVs work in Northern Ontario? Do they? Uh, isn't there in Cochrane, there's the winter testing Car testing place? Do they use EVs up there? 
Oh, I'm not familiar with that. I will go and check that out. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, like certainly EV technology is uh, massively evolving, and we don't just need to look in a North American context either. You know, our partners and friends in, in parts of Scandinavia um, have been, really been developing advanced electric battery uh, technology systems uh, that can withstand uh, more extreme temperatures and. Um, don't forget also this hydrogen fuel cell technology. So it doesn't all need to be about um, yeah. batteries and EVs. It can be alternatives. I can imagine the the right range anxiety a person has when they're from going driving from Sault Ste. Marie to Thunder Bay. Yeah, I mean, obviously, again, different levels of government are putting in uh, place uh, funding programs and this rollout of new charging infrastructure. And it's like anything else in life. I say it's when when a new technology or a new way of living, let's say, comes to be. There's that. You know, there's the early adopters and then there's yes. kind of it, there's that curve that you see. And it's, um, we're at that phase now where we've gone beyond early adopters and it's now like kind of that mass transition, that rollout um, of alternative EVs. Simon, let's hang on for a second. We have to take a short break and we'll be right back to discuss more of what you are up to with Green Economy North. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to Muskoka Drawdown. My guest today is um, is Simon Blakeney from uh, from Rethink Green, uh, which is uh, a northern Ontario part of the Green Economy uh, Network in Canada. Uh, Simon, it's great to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about, you seem, you, I checked out your website and you guys seem like you have, you really get your, uh, your tentacles into every community. You're even involved with the faith community, with the churches. Yeah. Um, so this was uh, before my time with the organization when we really started to develop some partnerships there, but particularly, particularly the United Church of Canada, we've done um, several churches in the past. We've helped to, um, Follow the process, as I explained earlier, you know, in terms of identifying what those greenhouse gas emissions um, and help to develop action plans to save um, and reduce their costs. And um, we know that churches in particular, with, let's say, an aging demographic and some dwindling congregations, that there's some really difficult conversations taking place right now about um, whether they have the person within the congregation that even has the technical abilities to, to you know, follow through on these projects or whether it's... Uh, you know, asset management, let's say. It's about how, how are they going to plan for the future. Yeah. Also, you're involved with sporting events. Sporting events, yes. Uh, um, like, we've, we've, we can support a number of different range of events. Uh, like, we did Rib Fest, for instance, in, in Sudbury. Um, it was really a, a demonstration project, a waste diversion project, um, to uh, demonstrate that, you know, what's the maximum way of uh, achieving efficiencies and reducing those greenhouse gases. Yeah. Um, what about and even film shoots that apparently you get involved to try to help green uh, green film shoots? It's definitely a, a service offer, and um, like we have um, film companies reach out to me all the time, saying how can we partner because we know that the uh, the film industry is uh, as well as others like aviation and retail some of the highest contributors to to emissions, and a lot of that is due to you know the idling of kind of fleet, uh, particularly in winter when it's. Uh, cast a, you know, waiting to in a warmed up environment before they can go on set. So, yeah. um, and then a lot of disposable items as well. So there's 
ways to make improvements there. Sure. You, you really drive home that there's it's not just one big thing. There's all kinds. It, it permeates our whole lives and every day. And uh, here's uh, what about the commuter challenge that uh, that you guys run? Yeah. Um, so this is um, it's again part of a national um, initiative, if you like, and it's led by a not for profit out of um, Calgary, I believe. Um, but we've done it a few years now, and it's quite simple in a way that you. As a participant or a workplace, you can do individuals or work as a group, um, is that you key in the location of your starting point and the end point, like just the postal codes. Um, and then basically you select the mode of transportation, so whether it's bus, active transportation, whatever, um, and it automatically calculates the amount of um, greenhouse gases that you're saving by not driving the private car. Mm-hmm. And if you're choosing a more active mode, the gigajoule, uh, gigajoules or uh, calories, let's say, of energy that you're actually burning as well. So you could call it a Fitbit and the carbon calculator combined. Yeah, I guess through uh, during COVID, we all learned to do a lot of remote uh, activities that uh, presumably that will uh, hopefully that will continue in lots of ways to uh, avoid uh, all kinds of uh, travel costs and ecological damage from travel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I work from home primarily most of the time. Um, I do like to get out and about every now and then, but I always try to do um, link my trips, let's say, so I can maximize the not just in terms of time and efficiency, but uh, the saving on for the environment as well. Um, And obviously there's huge initiatives potentially coming back, like the, the returning the Ontario Northlander train to Northern Ontario. That's right. Um, don't get a question on that. But no, yeah. I was going to mention that because that's uh, we're very excited in uh, in Muskoka because it runs right through all three of our towns here and connects us with Toronto and uh, all the way up to Cochrane. Yeah, it's time. It's time to bring it back. Um, and again, with uh, the changing demographics of Northern Ontario since COVID, it is more seniors, let's say, yeah. selling up down south, moving north, yeah. and, and they want those connections to the south, but they don't necessarily want to have to drive anymore. Exactly. Um, what I was surprised at on your website was that you guys dusted up in politics because usually the nonprofits have to stay far away from politics. But you say on your uh, on your website that you held 100 debates on the environment during the 2019 federal election. That's amazing. That's really commendable. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we've done that a few times. Um, so it's led by an organization called Green Pack, which is based uh, sort of out of Ottawa area. Um, so we, again, acted within that framework that they set, but we did. We pulled together um, all different political um, wannabes and leaders within the Sudbury area to have um, a deep and meaningful conversation about what their policies would be on, on the environment moving forward. Yeah, and apparently every year you hold an Earth Festival. Yeah, so that's coming up um, in June. I can't remember the precise date. The fourth rings a bell, but... Um, it's in Sudbury. Uh, it's the first time we're bringing it back in person after the pandemic. We've yeah. done kind of online hybrid versions in the, in the last couple of years. Um, but that's been really well attended in the past. You know, anywhere from two to 4,000 people have filled um, one of Sudbury Central Parks. That's amazing. Parks and, yeah. Um, I want to dust it up with uh, the Ring of Fire. Um, there's, it's a, if, if the Ring of Fire goes ahead, it does. There's a lot of dewatering required, and it'll be methane uh, emissions and fossil fuels, and of course, uh, you know the biodiversity. What's your opinion on the, the Ring of Fire mining development in uh, Northern Ontario? 
Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one for sure. Um, and first and foremost, we need to really consider the indigenous peoples that live within those areas and make sure that their rights are properly enshrined in any solution that comes to be. Um, and obviously the environmental protections, you know, naturally into that too. Um, I also see the need that we do need these critical rare earth uh, minerals to, to fuel this uh, electric electrical revolution, if you like, into the future. Um, there are concerns about other countries around the world that they don't have the best environmental or ethical policies and practices. Um, doesn't mean that Canada's superior, but hopefully if we are to do it in some way that we can try to you know, find those best practices and really do it in the most um, efficient and sustainable way possible. Yeah, in my opinion, I'm a hardliner. I think there should be no such thing at all, that, that the ring of fire should not proceed in any shape, way, shape or form. But that's just me. Um, we have a fair bit of nuclear waste in Ontario, and I think you guys would really like us to ship it up to northern Ontario. Is that, <laughs> is that not true? I'm sure there'd be a lot of opposition towards that. Um, yeah, nuclear is a very difficult one as well. I mean, France, for instance, a country which uh, I believe the majority of its uh, electrical supply comes from nuclear. Um, but yeah, there is that legacy involved with nuclear waste. Where does it go? Who does it impact as it goes there? It's safety and security concerns as well in the world that we live in now. So um, nuclear is one that we should really be very cautious of. You probably know Germany just closed down their last nuclear reactor about a week or two ago after decades and decades of a uh, long process that was politically supported by all uh, political parties and they finally achieved it. Now they still use a lot of coal, as you know, uh, but they have a plan to go off coal as well. We did the opposite in Ontario. We shut down coal because of acid rain and, and smog and, you know, kids were getting asthma like crazy, but we are still, uh, what, like 50% nuclear as well here uh, and of course as everything we you and I have chatted about we require a green grid we want to get to a green grid but does a green grid in your opinion include nuclear power it's a great question um, nuclear is not something that I've developed an enormous amount of expertise on I would prefer to see generally um, people increasing their efficiencies and reducing their overall uh, energy demands if you like so that uh, if we can achieve um, more with what we've already got instead of having to build more um, energy uh, systems to, to keep that growth kind of spilling out of control as it already is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Simon, it's been great having you on your show. Can I ask you to give a, uh, tell us what your website is or what people should uh, Google, Google if they want to talk to you guys and connect with you and get advice or input? Yeah, so just briefly, because so the Green Economy North program, the way that it works is that we recruit businesses on a cohort basis and we train them on that carbon accounting. So we're currently doing a push right now. Uh, we have a deadline at the end of this month, but if it's early May, hey, I can still let you in. Um, so yeah, this is a call really to all businesses in the Muskoka district. If you're interested, want to learn more about it, you can go to www.rethinkgreen.ca slash north. Um, and it tells you all about the program. There's a membership inquiry form that you can complete. Um, and once you do that, I'll be in touch and we'll go from there. Simon, thank you so much for coming down, for driving down to Huntsville to, to record this interview in this studio. How did you get down here in an EV or in a gas, in a, in a what do they call those things, a, a carbon, no, internal, an ICE vehicle? It's a, it's a great question. No, I came in a regular gas-powered um, vehicle. <laughs> However, it's the second most efficient um, gas 
uh, powered vehicle in Canada. I chose it for that reason, and um, and I had it on eco mode the whole way. So, okay. uh, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't go 130. Uh, no, no, I don't do that. Of course, never could never cross the speed limit. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Thank you so much, uh, Simon. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Simon Blakeney from uh, from Green I Economy went to North. The country to escape the noise and lights. And I laid there in the pine cones all night. I woke in the morning and all the trees were gone. I got this sinking feeling Everything felt wrong There were strip malls and dollar stores And deep 